0: and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, Michelle here. I'm so excited to let you know about Freedom Model International Membership. Get support as you deprogram from the 12 steps and the shackles of addiction recovery. For a low monthly membership fee, you get the Freedom Model online program, which includes our books, our audiobooks, workbooks, and all the additional lessons. You also get the Freedom Model for the Family online program as well. You will get a live, members only two hour question and answer webinar with Mark and myself the last Wednesday of every month. And each week, we're going to add a new video lesson. We call this the What We Learned This Week series. Lastly, we also have the Freedom Model International monthly newsletter where we're going to tackle the current events and the latest research for you. All this for just $39.95 per month. You can stay a member for as long as you need, and you can suspend or cancel your subscription whenever you're ready. Go to online.thefreedommodel.org to sign up today hey everybody hey we're back with the addiction solution podcast so
1: um so i've noticed on social media i don't know if it's because it's springtime or what but we've been getting a a tremendous amount of uh comments and discussion about various uh unethical uh questions about treatment you know about about you know practices that are unethical, and um ideas uh, and questions about why treatment does certain things, why in that industry they do certain things. and um and I don't have you noticed that that there's been yeah, a-
0: i and and I had to actually kick somebody out of our group um who was defending those practices. Yeah, that's so crazy. You know that somebody that joined the Freedom Model group. <laughs> we don't tend to get the um, the treatment in AA trolls like the leaving AA groups do because it, I mean they're set up called leaving AA. I mean our group is is really for people that want to learn the Freedom Model and that's why we called it that. Um, but you know every once in a while you get these people that come in and whether they come in initially because they're curious. Or, you know, or they come in because they want to try and save all you poor people who follow us.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> we're because we're dangerous.
0: Because we're dangerous. We're killing people, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what these people believe. Um, you know, people defend this. And look at there's a long history now, probably but long, not that long, relatively long to us, our lifetime, you know, 50 plus years of treatment being inhumane yeah addiction treatment being inhumane and abusive and so what happens today is a lot less than what was happening in the 60s and 70s i think the
1: overtness well i don't know about that let's th- think about the patient brokering oh, schemes oh
0: right that's just, that's very recent you know if you want
1: to know about that go to google and just type in um the florida shuffle and rehab yeah and you will find out why Uh, And how, but
0: that was different. Like that was all about money. That was all about, but but isn't it
1: always about money?
0: It is about money, but, but I think there was an idea in this, in the 60s and 70s that I I think there was an underlying, these people need to be controlled because they're sick and they're not, they're going to kill themselves. I think
1: think that's true. But I think that I think that, like synonym, you know, you look back at that those cults that were involved yeah. in the early therapeutic communities where people were dying left and right, where the government had to come in and <clears throat> and shut them down. Um, some of that, all of that, is about power, control, but ultimately, it's always about money. In yeah. the end, every cult even is. It's rare that it doesn't have a financial angle to it because they got to keep it running after all. And but but it's either about really narcissistic power, totalitarianism, right?
0: Yes, it, but, but by the leaders, right? Yes. By the leaders of it. So when we say stuff like that, we're not talking about floor staff. The yeah, the people that are there working mm-hmm. with the people that are struggling. That's right. Um, because most of those people are believe that they're doing good work. They they know you know if you've
1: worked in a rehab and some of you probably have a lot of
0: people have that that follow us now
1: yeah um i'm sure you know how difficult it is to be on the floor staff and be listening to the rhetoric and knowing boy there's something wrong with this and the way they treat the 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 patients, you know, um, we don't call them patients at our retreat. We, we call them guests, guests, yeah, they're our guests. Um, but we don't do treatment, right. You know, so there's no power struggle when you're instructing somebody and giving them information and then you allow them to do whatever they want to do. You know, that's the beauty of what we do. But in rehab, the power structure and the hierarchy of power is very well defined. And that is you have the executive staff that runs the place ultimately owns it makes all the money. And then you have a certain level of management and then you have floor staff. And the floor staff is there usually making very little money, working long hours and dealing with a tremendous amount of disgruntled people because here's here's a practice that we were talking about in our group just th- this past week. Why do they take your cell phone away? Or mm-hmm. a laptop or a tablet.
0: Yeah, you're not allowed to bring any of those things.
1: Why is that a common practice in rehabilitation? And people often want some deep meaning to that. But I can tell you exactly why they oh, do me that. Too. You know, as somebody who's consulted with rehabs and looked, interior ran
0: our retreats we had we had larger retreats we never did that right but i know exactly why it was done
1: yeah so yeah we've never taken people's communication with the outside world away you know it doesn't make any sense to me um but they do it because you would call your your home or your husband or wife or somebody on the outside and you would leave
0: you would tell them what's going on
1: yeah you would say these people are crazy <laughs> and they're telling me that you know I'm a sick broken person and that there's uh, and also that they're saying I should separate myself from my family especially if the family drinks at all or takes drugs at all even recreationally or moderately and they would they would divide and conquer that's part of the whole treatment model is isolating the person and shuffling them into a into a safe space or environment post-treatment?
0: Well, the goal of treatment, okay, and I actually just had this conversation with one of our guests here last night because he's been to multiple very expensive treatment programs. Um, And, you know, you're told right up front that the goal of treatment is to break you down. To To build you back up. To build you back up, break down your ego, right? So the process of doing that is in many cases, abusive. So if you have your cell phone and let's say that we know that this happened frequently in rehabs. I don't know if it happens now, but I know it happened 10 years ago. Um, They would make you, you didn't make your bed that morning and they make you wear a sign.
1: Yeah. yeah. All
0: day that Uh, I'm a big fat baby because I won't make my bed or something. Yeah. You know, something that is supposed to humiliate you.
1: Yeah, my brother went through um, a couple of TCS back in the day, back in the late '70s, early '80s, and they were still practicing that kind of stuff. They've outlawed a lot of that kind of abuse um, in some states, but there are places that still practice that kind of humiliation. It's a little more subversive, you know, it's a little less overt. Um, but in those days, they did. You wear a sign. In in his case, he he wasn't allowed to wear any expensive clothes. So he had to go to the Salvation Army, get bums clothes, as they put it, bums clothes, and become a bum for ego deflation. Now, what's so crazy about this is the ego deflation at depth argument came out of Bill Wilson and Dr. Silkworth's uh, fantasy in 1935, um, that this is what Alcohol. this is
0: what it requires yeah
1: and and what that what that is that's a cult tactic that's we're going to strip you of your of your identity so that you become an alcoholic so that your identity then becomes i i am a member of aa right and you no longer are an individual a person right. that's capable of moving on as an autonomous thinking person a critical thinking person so a lot of these tactics are all about making you a homogenous sort of being that is subservient to rehab, three quarter house, transitional living, and then whatever your post you know care plan
0: is. I want you to think of the irony of this that Bill Wilson came up with it because that he never did that. His ego is the reason that AA is what it is today. Right, that's a classic cult leader. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the rules didn't actually apply to him right. even though he was like this is necessary for you to stop your addiction right it's necessary for you to stop thinking for yourself it's necessary for you to to stop thinking of the future you know I, and so all of the things it was interesting because our guest who's only been here less than a week you know said this is he this is the most amazing thing because the things that i was told that i shouldn't be thinking of and shouldn't be doing you guys are the opposite you're saying to me no, you should be thinking of the things that make you happy and what makes life worth living and, and how
1: to move forward <laughs> with your life and expand your thinking and think critically and debate and yeah yeah yeah
0: it's the opposite yeah it's like like you can't there's no way to solve a substance use problem without thinking critically
1: yeah, it can't be so, done. So here's here's another tenet of AA and treatment, and that is that self knowledge availed mm. us nothing, and self knowledge is not the answer. These are those are two quotes from Bill Wilson's books and from him himself, and so self knowledge is not the answer. Self knowledge is the answer. <laughs> it's literally the it's answer. The only answer. It's the answer to life. <laughs> It's the, it's the answer to, to critically thinking through problems and coming up with solutions that can make sense for you as an individual. There is no other way no, unless you're part of a cult and you're giving that right, the right of your own free will, and you're handing it to another entity, another group of people and saying, think for me, think for me, you know, and most people, when they enter AA, they don't know that that's what they're doing. No. Until they're in for a little while. And most people within 30 days go, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Yeah. The something's really, really. Yeah. More than half don't here. go
0: back. Right. They're done. Right. After by 30 days, they're done. And then at, by the end of the year, it's 95% are done. Yeah. So they, only they don't do it.
1: So <laughs> only five out of 100 people that attend AI. Will, will stay more than a year, which is why AA is so dependent on the treatment industry to constantly yes. be feeding bodies into that or else they can't get the dollar in the basket in mass, and they can't sell their books, and then they can't regurgitate that back into the treatment system. So it's this amazingly symbiotic, destructive relationship. It's called the revolving door policy of rehabs. And it just keeps regurgitating human beings like a factory. And AA needs that. And Bill Wilson set it up that way. He was remarkably good at setting up his, his cult in our culture. It's, right. it's been mainstream now. It's part of what we do to people.
0: And, uh, it's flat out wrong though. And you know? so when you go into a treatment program, that's really what you're signing up for. You're signing up when you go into an addiction treatment program, you're signing up for the ego deflation, the massive ego deflation, and however they have to do that with you. And if you're somebody like Mark and I, where that was, <laughs> that was not okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> We we were, we were independent thinkers, right? You know, we just were, question, I questioned everything and yeah. I was argumentative and I could be difficult. And um, I, I just, if things didn't make sense to me, they just, I wasn't, I, I needed to understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to the phone thing because it's such a, a good example. I want to reiterate. So they take your cell phone away. They take your communication away. Yes. N- nothing good can happen from that because what happens is they've now isolated you completely from the outside world. And why would they need to do that? Well, the implication is that you're too weak to not call your drug dealer for drugs. You're too weak to- uh,
0: Which somebody said, that guy that I removed from the group said that. He's like, you know, you need to be, you know, locked up and not- have contact or else you're going to do that, you know?
1: So, so what that says, the implication there, which is another falsity is that you have a weakness problem, right? And that you can't stop yourself from, from calling up the drug dealer. Now here's, what's interesting for 32 years and, and not for the full 32 years, but since cell phones have existed for 25 of those 32 years, um, we didn't take cell phones away. Nope.
0: And uh, you know, you know what not only do we not take cell phones away, but treatment programs by and large, like inpatient treatment programs have completion rates less than 50 percent. okay our completion rate was always between 75 and 85 percent right And here at this retreat it's 90. it's well overnight. it's like 98 percent. Yeah, okay, it's awesome. So and I and when I when we were really working on it, we could we could consistently have 80 to 85 percent. Yeah. completion rate like and those people that didn't complete the first time for whatever reason usually came back to complete so when you look at it in the larger it's about a 90 to 95 percent completion rate and they had cell phones and they had access to the internet And we took them on outings. They got to go to the gym. They got to go, you know, do their laundry at the laundromat. I mean...
1: Yeah, run errands and go to the drugstore, go to Walmart. I don't follow them around. Yeah. You know, and did people occasionally use drugs? It was incredibly rare.
0: It was, it was less than the, out of the people that, that didn't complete, um, it maybe was 5%, Yeah, 5%, but the majority of those would come back and complete when they were ready.
1: Yeah. So... It it's it's interesting because when somebody comes to our retreat, I I'm not going to sit there and go through their bags. And they they always hand me the bags, right? I know. <laughs> and I say I'm not going to go through your bag. But what you can do is right now go in the bathroom and flush whatever you got. I don't want to know. I yeah. don't want to know. Just you can do the right thing. And you know what? When you do that, some people go. They look at you and they go, okay. <laughs> they go to the bathroom and they take they take care of whatever they had to take care of, and um they flush it down toilet or whatever. And, and we move on. It's just, you know, let's have a fresh start. I assume that you want to be here. You're paying to be here. And, and it's, it's a great relationship because it's based on trust and, uh, and
0: it works out fine. And and yeah, we have a voluntary program, but that doesn't mean we don't have people that are here because they've been given an ultimatum. Oh, yeah. We do, uh, yep. We with the bigger retreats, we would have a lot of people there that were given an ultimatum or that were there because they didn't want, you know, they were alternative to going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and so, because that's what the treatment program say, well, most people are here or forced to be here.
1: We had um, a lot of
0: that. We did years. have a lot of that. And we still, you know, it's amazing what happens when you have expectations that people are going to act a certain way. They typically will live up to them. So whether that's positive or negative, um, you see that in behavioral health all the time. You see mm-hmm. that with, with kids, you know, whatever expectations you have um, are going to be manifested
1: typically. Yeah, yeah. and they'll reach the the, the expectation. Mm-hmm. So if you build trust, you trust them, they trust you back. And uh, and then then real good... Education and learning can happen because uh, it's not fettered with all of this distrust and uh, anxiety and misery. Going to rehab is miserable. God,
0: it is. It's miserable.
1: miserable. Um, now, so there's so there's all kinds of other unethical things that that treatment centers do. Not all of them do them, but they a lot of times they will uh, do a, a bait and switch. They'll say they're not twelve step. Oh, There's only yeah. one program that's non-12 step and that's us. And I'll tell you why, because we don't equivocate. We don't, we don't play both sides of the fence. We, we never use the word disorder,
0: disease, because you don't have either. We don't tell people they need support of any kind in order not to drink or do drugs. It's a matter of making a decision um, and figuring out what you want to do. So yeah, we, we don't equivocate on these things. We don't, Playable. set a lot of places now will tell people, Oh, yeah, we're non 12 step. And then they'll have one smart meeting a week or something like that, where they're just kind of, but if there's no smart meetings, then you still got to go to 12 step meetings.
1: Right. Or, and then they have an aftercare plan where they hook you up with uh, meetings and, and, and they a say sponsor and a sponsor. And, and, you know, so, so what's cooked into that is that you're out of control, which is a lie, which is disease in different clothing. Because if you actually are compelled to use a substance past your free will and you have no control, well, guess what? That's a disease, folks. I mean, that that's what a disease yeah. is. That's what, like cancer, you have no control over what's happening in your body, you know? So- um, so what they do is they play this weird semantics game, but it's not semantics, it's, it's real. They are playing both sides of the fence. Now I'll tell you why they do that. It's because they want the insurance dollars because they still have to, they have to get a diagnostic code for disease and disorder in order to get paid. And then what they'll do in a lot of these cases is they'll also bill you privately for the non-12-step portion. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden now they're getting double paid also, another unethical thing they do is they double your bill when you get there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a common yeah, you're, practice. You're told up front what oh it's going to cost you this much, but um, it ends up you know costing you twenty percent more, fifty percent more. I mean, all of a sudden, or they 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 rope you into staying. You know, there's a lot of people will come here and they'll be like, it's just four weeks. It's just four weeks. Come to the retreat, and I'll be like, "Yeah, four weeks. You'll well, you're going to be finished in four weeks," and they'll be like, "Oh, but you're going to tell me I need to stay longer once I'm there." And I'm like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> that that's somebody that's been to
1: a bunch of rehabs. Yep. I remember another. Here's another thing that rehabs do. Um, way back in probably 1994, 93 or 94, I trained some uh, state investigators, and I trained them on how to be a drunk right? Because these people weren't drinkers and, and they were, they were straight up guys and women, and they had to go into a rehab and go to outpatient. And some of them went inpatient. And then what they did is they would skip classes. They would, I call them classes. They would skip sessions and, and counseling and see if Medicaid continued to get billed. And Actually, it, it ended up shutting down five rehabs here in the local area because it was all Medicaid fraud. So, yeah. so there's a, a huge amount of Medicaid fraud that happens where you get people in this tied up with probation or whatever, and they, they're going to an outpatient clinic. They don't go to their sessions, but they have a doctor signing off as if they did, and they just forge signatures, and they're getting just paid Medicaid dollars uh, constantly. So that was something that I was involved with. That was fun. <laughs> that was that, that was kind of cool training all those people. But um I'm sure that still goes on today. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, they do sort of a sting operation like that and it, it cleans the the that area up for a number of years and then slowly the 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 easy money.
0: Yeah, third party payers.
1: Yeah, it's just easy money, you know, and that's one thing we've avoided for 32 years. We don't take any third party reimbursement, we don't do any of that stuff because it it just makes it and we don't even We don't even take, you know, uh, a lot of donations at this point, you know, because all our research stays
0: completely unbiased. Yeah, Yeah, independent. You know, we had opportunities to get different grants and things like that. But inevitably, you know, there is a very strong push to keep addiction treatment exactly as it is because it is you know, a 40 plus billion dollar business in this country. And there is so much. I mean, there's government agencies wrapped up in it. Um, many government agencies wrapped up in it. There is so much money to be made um, that it it attracts the worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so years ago,
0: here's something
1: that that happened when the patient brokering thing took off. And what that is, is um, you had these call centers that would advertise on the internet as a, as a treatment center. And they really weren't a treatment center. What they were, they were just a call center and they had a whole bunch of rehabs that were bidding for the call center calls and whoever was the highest bidders who would get the customer. Now the customer didn't know that they thought they were contacting, you know, the Cle- somebody that was going to help them yeah, the, or, or the Cleveland rehab or right. something. Right. And actually it was just a call center. And then they'd say, well, you know, you probably, you Cleveland probably isn't the place you need to be. You you probably need to be in Rhode Island at this facility based on your symptoms and based on – now really what it was was the place in Rhode Island was paying that call center the most money. So they were brokering the patient. And so that – now in a lot of cases, they weren't even rehabs. What they were, they were sober living houses where they were um, giving these kids, in a lot of cases, drugs – keeping them high, getting them dirty urines, and then billing the insurance company for more tests, keeping them longer with the probation departments because they would test dirty and then they would extend their stay. And it was all an insurance fraud scheme. And in some cases, they had prostitution rings and Mm -hmm. prostituting these young people. Um, And that was heavy in Florida and California. Huge! It's huge business, and it was tragic, sad, and kids were dying left and right of overdoses in these places. So you can look it up; it's it's all over the web. Um, so I became aware of that. If you remember, when I had parents calling me yes. because I have a good reputation on the web, right, as a person that's been involved for years and years and years, a lot of articles and stuff. And patient parents would call and say, "My son is down at this rehab," and I would I would go searching for the rehab and I'd say, "Okay, I, I see." And they won't let me talk to my son. I said, how old is your son? Well, he's 17. I said, he's a minor? Yeah. And I haven't talked to him in four months. I said, four months? Yeah, they won't let me talk. They said, it's part of his recovery. And I said, wait a minute, you need to get the police involved. And so we would call the police together and they would send a police officer down. And in some cases, the, these places were locked up. They had walls. They had, you know, they sort of had these fences around the places. And so they, the, the police had to actually get a search warrant and get the kid out. I mean, it was well, tragic stuff. in some cases,
0: they couldn't find where the person was. I remember one family we worked with where they thought their loved one was in one state and they were actually in another state. Oh yeah, that was Florida they, to Texas. Yeah. And they couldn't find where
1: this person was. And and they said, you can have your son or daughter back if you do the family program in the place yes. in Florida. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. and And the parents were like, they, they smelled a fish, but they were so desperate, they said, where's my son or daughter? And it ended up that the per- they, they admitted, well, we transferred him to Texas to a to a more yes. secure place, to a place that's more intense for his care. But, in a, but really, you're the problem. As the parents, they said, you're the problem. So we need to have you uh, pay this amount of money, come through our family yeah. program, um, and you need to pay up front. And it was all a scam, and their kid, their kid was on drugs down in this other facility in Texas, which we got the police involved, and it was crazy. It was
0: totally insane. I mean, and this stuff, it just kept happening at more and more frequently, and and I, I, you know. Google was kind of complicit in it. Right. So, so everything changed and all of a sudden you, there was a period of time, a couple of years where you couldn't advertise on Google as a rehab because it was also crazy. Yeah. Because they kind
1: of got caught all the bid per click advertising. Ooh, they were the making trip, so much money. They were making, I forget what the number was. It was oh hundreds, hundreds of millions a month. And, and they, they, they realized, oh my God, we're part of this patient brokering thing. I don't think Google knew it. No. But, but I, I think that what happened was they said, we got to get out. And so they shut all the marketing off on Google for, I don't know. It was, I like, was three, like
0: 18 months. Was it that long? We- I think it was like 18 months. It was God. a long time.
1: Yeah, I guess it was. It was a
0: long time. Now now they've got a different system, but but we're starting to get contacted now. I We were just contacted the other day by one of these places um, that basically you buy leads. Yeah. So it's happening again. It's yeah. going to happen again. Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm be- not sure it ever stopped.
0: No, probably not.
1: I think that the active criminals that were running the prostitution rings, but, but
0: I, you know, cause they, that, that was so obvious. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's still, you just got to be wary. Look at, if something doesn't, if, it, if something feels like you're calling, you're looking for help and it, any place that is pushy. Yeah. That's, that's it. Right okay. There. That is like, like the bad treatment oftentimes starts on the first phone call Yeah, by them making you feel panicked. Like, that's especially right. if a loved one calls and says, you know, oh my son has been using heroin. He's overdosed twice. And, and so you're already feeling pretty panicked, right? Yeah. you freaked right out, you know? And then this person says, Oh my God, you got to get him here yesterday. Yeah, like he's going to be dead in two days, and they instead of calming you and helping you to see, okay, we this is something we can do. Yeah, help let's with. make some
1: rational decisions. Yeah,
0: right? no, they up the panic because they know that you'll pay, that you'll pay whatever it takes to save your loved one.
1: That's right. So, so these are these are fairly common things. Now, i i want I don't want to paint a picture that. You know that everyone is terrible and in yeah, they're, they're not. They're in a system that is incorrect in most of what it teaches. So you're already behind the eight ball when you're going to a rehab. You're already lowering your chance of moving past the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's where rehab starts. It starts from a negative position. So just be aware of that. you know, um, if you're questioning what we're saying, what I would do is just get our book, the Freedom Model. You can get it for free at uh, thefreedommodel.org, and yeah. use coupon code Freedom100 at checkout. That's Freedom, and then the digits one zero zero. And you can get our book, and you can see what we're talking about. Not in regards to treatment, but more in regards to how to move past the problem without without all this stuff. You know, because uh, you can, you, you your loved one, or you can move past this without without any of the encumbrances of this
0: this crap. Yeah, the data is absolutely clear, um, and it's been consistent ever since it's been measured for fifty years. And that is the majority of people stop this problem on their own with no treatment whatsoever. That's right. Um, And so it it really does mean that anybody can. And and the thing about treatment, like like we said earlier, and I want to qualify is that most of the people that work in treatment um, have good intentions. But a lot of people at this, you know, it's, it's you quickly become jaded, I think is the word I'm looking for, because once you see the recidivism rate and you see people coming in and out and in and out and going through the revolving door, you really do get to a point where you're like, it doesn't matter really what I say or do these, none of these people are going to get it anyways.
1: Yeah. And then you, then you have those floor staff, they're just in it for a paycheck and they just don't care anymore. And there are facilities that have that as the culture of the facility itself. And those are very, very problematic places. They're filled with chaos.
0: Chaos. And and a lot of places have a practice of hiring people in recovery. Um, and what you see, what, based on our research, is people that consider themselves to be in recovery, that work in the industry, have very high rates of going back to heavy substance use. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's this idea that... I can remember thinking this way when, when I, when we were first in AA thinking, you know, I really like helping people. It would be nice if I could make a living doing it, um, you know, and then I would stay sober, right? Because there's this idea that if you, if you do that, so we'd get people that would come to the retreat and they'd be like, oh, I want to do this for a living. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, <Well, you're- laughs> it, it, It's
1: such a strange thing too, because it's really about keeping tied to your drug use yes not making the changes you need to make in your life growing up yeah yeah not moving past the problem adequately and just moving on with your life so people will stay tied to the industry uh, as a way to avoid changing
0: yes frankly but
1: also avoiding getting high by distracting themselves with
0: with this idea that you have to help, help somebody. Yeah. And um, and it turns out you don't have to do that at all. Um, as a matter of fact, people that don't do that move on with their lives. And just, we saw that very clearly. Yeah. You know, the people that would just come to the program, leave and move on with their lives did great. Yeah, they did. But, you know, by, by long ways, they did great. And, and the people that stayed tied to it, it became their prison. Yep. It's self created prison. Yeah. You think, oh, I need to do this in order to stay sober myself. And no, you don't. That's right. Not at all. So, so look, it, it's the reason that treatment programs treat people badly is because it is part of their treatment model.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a way of keeping you immersed in the model forever. Yep. And uh, it's about funding. In the end, it, that's really what it's about. It's about money. And, uh, when you boil it all down, if there wasn't a lot of money to be made, none of this would have lasted the last 80 years.
0: That's for sure. It wouldn't
1: have. So, so avoid the abuse. Um, if you're talking to a program, what Michelle said, and, and they're, uh, pushy, they're heightening the panic. They're saying you have to do this, this, or this when they use those terms. Um, and, uh, and you feel something in your gut, more fear. That's
0: the wrong place. There, That's the litmus test for avoiding that. Yep, absolutely. So if you want to talk to someone here, you can always call us at 888-424-2626. We always have hopeful news for you when we're talking to you. We will help you find a solution. Um, don't forget to sign up for... If you feel like you want or need it, you want low-cost access to our online program, you can go to the Freedom Model International membership, and you can get there at online.thefreedommodel.org. It has some wonderful um, benefits for being a member, and it's $39.95 a month. And, and just so you know, when she
1: says benefits, she's understating the fact that you get our entire Freedom Model Online Program, which teaches the entire Freedom Model and video tutorials with me and Michelle. You get the Freedom Model Online Program, which also is me and Michelle doing video tutorials, teaching you that, how the family can help. Um, and you get a newsletter. You get a live two-hour uh, question and answer session every month. You get uh, four new lessons a month from our instructors. And
0: uh, and I want to tell you that that live two-hour question and answer is a class with us okay you will yeah. be doing a class with us it's not like our facebook lives where we have a bunch of questions and and we do it and we there's not really much interaction this is interactive where you know it will be whoever logs in during that time period it's last wednesday of the month from three to five eastern time um we're gonna wait for you to ask i mean we may have a couple things we want to talk about we'll do a quick lesson depending on you know, just to get things rolling um but if if we don't get questions, we'll just sit there quiet with you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll hang out for two hours. We
0: hang out for two hours. We have a lot of fun with each other, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: All right. So thanks, everybody, and um, we hope you have a good week.
1: All right. Take care, everybody.